right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am not excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets loss as the Nuggets are without Nikola Jokic, without Jamal Murray, without KCP, Michael Porter out for personal reasons. This was always going to be a really tough matchup for Denver, uh, not because they don't match up well with the Milwaukee Bucks. I actually think that we learned a little bit from this game, just given how well Denver matched up with the physicality that Milwaukee brought and having the positional versatility that they did with a a variety of their guys to at least make some things work. Uh, That was pretty good. Uh, But in general, Denver not having Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, KCP, Michael Porter, that's always going to be a big detriment in some areas. And Denver just didn't have enough offense in this one. They held Milwaukee to 107. That's a really, really impressive mark, given that it's on the second night of a back-to-back. Unfortunately, they just didn't have enough guys get hot. That's really the the long and short of it. They were 11 of 34 as a team from three. They only got to the free throw line 16 times and made 12 free throws. And even more importantly than that, the two-point shooting, where Denver usually excels They didn't have the creators today in order to really generate efficient shots for everybody. Um, Aaron Gordon was taking pull-up twos, Bruce Brown taking a bunch of floaters, Bones trying to get into his spots, not necessarily getting it to go in that second half, but it was definitely a glaring thing with Denver's offense, but not really an unsurprising thing if you've been watching, if you understand that just how much Jokic means to this team, how much Murray means to this team now. And that's always going to be a thing when those guys sit out and not really surprised that they dropped a game this time around. But it's all good. It's a road game against a non-conference opponent. Denver's going to be fine. It's a back-to-back. They will get ready for the next one. But let's talk about what happened. Let's talk about what what it means, if there is anything to really take away from this one. And I think we should start with Aaron Gordon, who definitely deserves a lot of credit for the way that he approached this game. Aaron Gordon tonight played 37 minutes and was a beast, just an absolute behemoth in the paint tonight. And, And even hitting some threes to really go with that. I was impressed. I was impressed with Aaron Gordon in his 37 minutes. There are definitely some shots that would have I would have liked for him to get rid of. Uh, some of the pull-up twos where he's trying to post up Drew Holiday or Pat Connaughton or guys like that and kind of fading away in those cases as opposed to driving towards the rim. The problem, of course, is that Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez are hanging out at the rim waiting to block some shots. And they're really, really good at that. So Denver didn't really attack the rim with a whole bunch of reckless abandon tonight. And that was probably the right call. You have to make your outside shots if you are facing the Milwaukee Bucks. And Denver, that's one of the reasons why they've had success in the past. Aaron Gordon made his outside shots tonight, went three of five from three, but he did not shoot efficiently inside the arc. And that's, I think, where some of the inefficiency comes from tonight. But in general, it's more of a mentality thing that I care about rather than the efficiency. Aaron Gordon battled tonight. No other way to put it. He was facing Giannis. He was facing Brooke Lopez. He was facing Drew Holiday on both ends of the floor. 
And I thought that he acquitted himself really well for this matchup going forward. 26 points in 37 minutes, 14 rebounds, including seven offensive rebounds, four assists, and two blocks, including those two, I think, came on one possession against Brook Lopez, where he was having to match the big seven-footer, and Brook Lopez is even taller than that. But I thought that Aaron Gordon absolutely brought it tonight on the second night of a back-to-back and had a lot of energy, uh, really made this game closer than I think it probably should have been, where Aaron Gordon was a plus five in his 37 minutes in a game that the Nuggets lost by eight. So in the 11 minutes that he sat, basically that was when DeAndre Jordan was in the game, Denver lost those minutes by 13. That's not really a surprise, and we'll get to the bench in the second segment, but for what Denver starters did, for what Aaron Gordon did while he was on the court, the Nuggets should be pretty happy. They honestly should. I really liked what I saw from him. And I think there's a lot to take away from how he approached this game, the way that he wanted to win this one, and the methods in which he went to went at it. Uh, had three fouls. Giannis Antetokounmpo shot 22 free throws, so not going to blame Aaron Gordon for that. I think DeAndre Jordan fouled Giannis a ton. I think uh, Bruce Brown got him a couple times. Christian Brown got him a couple times. Jeff Green got him a couple times. But in general, I thought that Aaron Gordon really disciplined as a Giannis Antetokounmpo defender. Sometimes got pushed out of the way, but Giannis turned the ball over nine times tonight. He was still a plus 10. He was still 33 points on 15 shots because because he got to the line 22 times. But in general, the way that Giannis dominated was he ultimately broke down Denver's disciplined defense. But not Aaron Gordon specifically. He attacked different gaps. He attacked different players and... If Denver has a little bit more reinforcements in general, the next time around that they face them, including Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr., then I think Denver has the personnel to match up with a guy like Giannis going forward, with Aaron Gordon kind of being that leading contender to guard him for most of the night. I thought that he did a great job in general and deserves a lot of credit for bringing it on both sides of the floor. He was Denver's leader out there tonight and deserves a lot of credit for the way that he carried himself. So credit to Aaron Gordon. Good stuff. Bruce Brown had a lot of pressure on him tonight. Denver tonight started Bruce Brown, Christian Brown of, gosh, who else did they start? Aaron Gordon, Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji. That's who it was. So Gordon was at the four, Vlako at the three, Christian Brown at the two, Zeke Naji at the five and Bruce Brown at point guard. And so he's not your traditional point guard. He's not a guy who's going to really break down the defense, set other people up a whole bunch. And I think that's one of the reasons why Denver's offense during, especially the first quarter and the third quarter, really looked bad at the beginning because they didn't really know how to attack the rim when going against a guy like Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I thought those guys did a great job of deterring Denver. They didn't even look at the rim sometimes and decided, hey, we're just going to settle for the floater. And that was what Bruce Brown did. It's one of the reasons why he went 5 of 14. Hasn't really been that efficient with the floater. Hasn't been that efficient as a mid-range guy and only shot 1 of 4 from 3 tonight. I thought that Brown was at his best when he attacked the gaps. There weren't that many gaps to attack tonight, but when he saw them, 
and drove the lane hard, he was pretty good. He was really, really effective in those moments. Overall, uh, six turnovers for Bruce Brown. Probably not a great sign, but I did like the rest of the stat line. 12 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 1 block. That's great. And Bruce Brown was a plus 1 in a game the Nuggets again lost by 8. So Denver kept it relatively close. And when Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown were out there together, the offense wasn't pretty, but it got the job done at least enough to keep them close. And mostly it was the impact that they had on the defensive end. Bruce Brown guarding Drew Holiday, switching on to Giannis, switching on to Chris Middleton. Uh, Denver, I think, and Bruce Brown was one of these guys. I think Pat Connaughton got hot in this game, had 19 points on just eight shots, shot five of six from three. And I think the big issue guy with that was Bruce Brown. He is getting lost a little bit more frequently off ball lately. And it's one of those things that you're going to notice second night of a back-to-back 82-game season. This stuff is going to happen. But Denver isn't like they can't allow that to happen if they were to face the Bucks again. And they will face the Bucks again in March when they come to town in Denver. That's in exactly two months from now, I believe. So should be interesting. Should be fascinating to think about that matchup going forward. But Bruce Brown's still somebody that I think Denver's going to really rely upon in a, in a game like that. So I think that what he provides in general is good, is helpful. It's not perfect. And him having to do the point guard duties as well as everything else he has to do, it's tough. Zeke Naji tonight only played 22 minutes. I thought that he did reasonably outside of the shooting. And this is a point that I made online earlier during the game. He's one of five from three tonight. The shot has been hit or miss. Lately, it's been better. But in general, I think that Zeke has just not had that much confidence taking threes. Brooke Lopez is going to sag into the paint. He is going to allow a three-pointer. And centers that are pick-and-pop centers that are undersized or not able to attack the rim against a guy like Brooke Lopez, they've got to be able to hit shots. That is a very, very important thing. Now, Zeke did a great job, I thought, overall defensively. When when you're switching on to a guy like Giannis, you're switching onto the perimeter against a guy like Drew, sometimes those guys are going to hit shots. But Drew Holiday had 20 points on 20 shots. It is not like sometimes he hit an isolation jumper in, in Zeke Naji's face. But in general, he was not that difficult. Like he's like Drew Holiday settled for a bunch of jumpers, and the Nuggets are just going to live with that when they're switching as much as they are. So Zeke did his job when he was out there, outside of the shots from three. One of five tonight. He's got to be better than that. Just has to. It is a requirement. Had two steals and a block. But if he's going to be a part of what Denver does in the playoffs, he has to be better as a shooter. He has to stay confident as a shooter because teams are going to dare him. They are going to put him on the free throw line. They are going to put him out on an island on the three. Opposing crowds are going to jeer whenever he gets an opportunity. So I do think that he's going to have to be a guy that shows that confidence when he when it comes down to it. 
And whether he does or not, I don't know. But it's one of the reasons why there are still some questions about Denver's backup front court. Christian Brown, good minutes tonight for Christian Brown overall. Uh, very close to Zeke in terms of his usage. Eight points on 26 minutes, three of six from the field, two of two from three. That's a good sign. I'd like to see him continue to be aggressive with it, but hard to really argue with the volume here, given that he hasn't been a massive, like he hasn't been a massive floor spacer for Denver so far. So once he gets back out there and and plays and continues to go more consistently, I do think that that is going to grow. It's just one of those things that he's young, he's learning, he doesn't want to get pulled. You do not want to take the wrong shot. So Denver's going to have to find more ways to get him more integrated in general. But I do think that Christian Brown is just one of those guys that is going to make an impact uh, going forward. Whether it's in the regular season or in the playoffs or next year or whatever, I just see a guy that is very, very impactful. And it's the hustle. It's the mentality. It is the willingness to do the dirty work and just about everything in between. He is not afraid to go get in the mix of things and mix it up a little bit. And that is what you like about a rookie where you don't know what exactly what you're going to get. But I think the Nuggets believed that they were going to get that from Christian Brown. He's ready. He is going to be very, very ready for the Nuggets. And I, I firmly believe that he will be Denver's seventh or eighth man next year. It's just bound to happen. Um, And Vlako Chanchar, 20 minutes tonight. Thought he started it off poorly. I thought that some of the decisions that he made as a playmaker, as a passer, were just bad, where it, it was like he didn't really see what was going on. 20 minutes, three turnovers tonight, did have a block, did have three assists, though I thought he settled down, especially in that third quarter where Denver really started to make it a game again. Thought that he did really well. And uh, he's just another guy that Denver can count upon and, and go with at various points, especially if they don't believe in some of the other members of their bench. So I liked seeing Vlako hit a three over the top of Giannis. I like seeing him run the floor. I like seeing him switching, doing some good things. He's not perfect. Nobody is. But I do think he can do enough to impact the game in a positive way. I didn't see him making a bunch of defensive mistakes tonight. I saw some weird offense things. I think his, his willingness to shoot and to drive and to be aggressive is still something that is coming along. And he's fighting the urge to just be a passer and facilitator and not to take shots. But he has to stay aggressive. There's no doubt about it, especially on a night like tonight where Denver didn't have a lot of shooting. They needed him to space the floor. Just let it fly, dude. You're shooting like 45%. All right. Let's take a break now. When we come back, we are going to go over the bench group. And Denver went full bench tonight for the first time in a while. We will be right back. But first, this podcast, as everybody knows, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. The final drive for the championship is here. There's no better place to wager than on the football title tilt than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds, boosts, and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making uh, odds experience in Las Vegas, there's no better place 
to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back at Pickaxe and Roll. Back, pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, that would be fantastic. Also, give it a like on YouTube. The show has been up there for now going on two weeks or so and really enjoying it over there. Really enjoying all the love that has been shown so far. So, thank you so much. All right, let us go over. The bench lineup that Denver used, a very different group than they've gone to before. Ish Smith, Bones Highland, Davon Reed, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. That was the group that Michael Malone used without, like he only had 11 guys available tonight, excuse me. Denver was without four starters. Then they're also without Jack White, Colin Gillespie. Both of those guys are sidelined with injury as well. So... Not having Michael Porter uh, due to personal reasons, obviously hope his situation continues to get better going forward. Uh, Nikola Jokic resting, Jamal Murray resting, KCP resting. Denver, they're in a tough spot. They're in a bind. And only having 11 guys, including just the majority of your deep bench, is tough. It's a tough place to be. Peyton Watson did not play, but everybody else did. And you get... Ish, Bones, Davon, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. It's not a bad group in turn. I mean, well, no, I'm just going to say it is a bad group. That is not a good group that makes a lot of sense. Ish and Bones, I can see the logic behind. I can see what Denver was trying to go for with that group, with that unit. And it worked in the first half. I thought that Denver in the first half, did reasonably well with that bench group. Giannis didn't play that great. He was, like, I thought Jeff Green was out there and and did some good things. DeAndre Jordan didn't guard Giannis that often. Most of the time, Brooke Lopez was out there while DeAndre Jordan was out there the first half, it felt like. But in the second half, that group got torn apart, and it was a lot of fouling. It was a lot of being out of position, not generating great shots, or if you do generate good shots, then those just didn't go down. That's tough. There were also some turnovers that were in there. Just not a great place to be. But we should probably go individual on this one because I don't think that unit is ever going to play coherent minutes for the Nuggets again. And we will see about Bones Highland, who returned from a left finger sprain that he had sustained. And he was out this last game against the Pelicans, played on the second night of the back-to-back against the Bucks. And I think the Nuggets were hoping that he could get hot from three. Obviously didn't manifest. He was one of five from three tonight. But he did do some good things in the first half. I don't want to paper over that. Had 11 points on three of five from the field. Took two technical free throws. Got to the free throw line another couple of times. And drove the lane pretty well. Had a couple of instances where he... Like he went by Drew Holiday, stepped back and hit a jumper in his eye. 
he had a nice uh, sidestep three where he, I think he, I, th- I thought that that was good shot selection, honestly. For a lot of people, that wouldn't be good shot selection, but he went through the process where he navigated the pick and roll. I think it was DeAndre who set the screen, and he's on the kind of the right wing or right slot is what they really call it. And he goes around the pick, realizes that his defender has gone under, and then just takes a little gentle sidestep to his right and gets on balance for the three. And I like that because he went through other progressions first. He wanted to see if he could go downhill, was reading the defense, understanding how they were going to play it, and realized that the open jumper was the right call. And he and he hit it. It was great. There were a couple of other threes where he flew off of a screen and took a falling away three despite the fact that Drew Holiday was right in his face. And that was one that I didn't agree with. And there were a couple of others that were so-so. And I think one thing that you're just always looking for with him is the shot selection, trying to figure out what the best shots are. Didn't shoot great from inside the arc either. He was a little bit better than he was outside the arc, but I do think that he's obviously going through it. He's in a tough spot trying to navigate the uh, tight sequence, or not, uh, what am I saying? Trying to navigate tight spaces with the second unit. And he is struggling a lot of times because the pull up two, it's not really a big weapon for him. He's either pulling up from three or trying to get to the rim for either a floater or for a shot around the rim. And the floater hasn't really worked that well either this year. I think when he gets to the rim, he's actually been pretty good. But sometimes, like I think lately, he has missed a couple of the ones that he probably shouldn't have. So it's tough. I thought that his defense tonight was fine. There was nothing really at issue with it. Uh, there are a couple times where he got switched on to Brooke Lopez. I'm not going to blame him for that. Uh, and there are times where maybe he lost his man on a back cut. Maybe it was a weird angle, but I'm not going to penalize him more for that than I am for other guys. It happened to everybody, and it didn't happen to him more than anybody else. So I do think that he's trying. I do think that he's trying to navigate this and struggling a little bit. Only one assist tonight. He did play with Ish Smith, so I'm not surprised that he only had one assist tonight. But Denver's got to find a way to get him back and get him going because there are ways for him to be helpful. There are ways for them to win with him. But I do, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Denver has had good moments with one ball handler like Jamal Murray and then just big wings around him. And Jamal, I think, is at a better place right now than Bones is in terms of creating good shots for himself and others on a consistent basis. That is not a shot at Bones. He can be really good, and there's there's definitely a time and a place for it. But I wonder what's going to happen to the second unit when everybody's healthy. And you go to Philly, I would assume that he plays in Philly. But beyond that, I... I don't really know what's going to happen with it. So Denver could go any number of directions. It, like Nothing would really surprise me. Jeff Green tonight played 28 minutes. He played a whole bunch of minutes in the second half, basically from uh, the middle of the third onward and closed the game with Denver. 
He was a part of some good units, not necessarily the best units, but was a net neutral on the plus minus, which was actually the third highest on the team. And it wasn't necessarily his own individual contributions, though I do think he had some good stops on Giannis at various points. He had some good moments where he picked off a steal, tapped out a couple of key offensive rebounds in the first half where those were really important plays for Denver to keep their momentum going and stay in the game. Uh, but he, like Zeke Naji, is somebody that I just do not trust his three right now. And if Denver is going to go small, if they're going to have a guy like a Zeke Naji or a Jeff Green play center, they're going to switch everything. They're going to space the floor. They're going to go five out and they are going to try to not necessarily, uh, they're going to try to survive the non-Jokic minutes. Jeff Green is a guy that's going to have to hit some threes. Went two of nine tonight, and he is another guy that when he was being guarded by Brooke Lopez, Brooke was daring him to shoot. And Denver's going to have to find ways to make those threes. If they have a better situation, and maybe it's Nikola Jokic that's out there in those situations, that's a little bit different. But if Brooke Lopez is out there and Denver is doing what they can to uh, – if they're doing what they can to space Brooke away from the rim, then they've got to hit the three. They've got to keep him honest. He can't just sag away and guard the rim and guard the perimeter at the same time. He's got to – like you got to make him choose. And if he does choose the perimeter, then Jeff has enough speed and enough agility to go by him. Zeke, I think, had a, had one nice possession like that too, where if he can go off the bounce and do that reasonably well against a plodding center, I know Brook Lopez isn't plodding, but he's huge, then maybe Denver has some utility with something like that. It's one of the reasons why I still have some concerns though, because this is a matchup where if Denver has a bunch of 6'8 and 6'9 guys, they've got to be able to space. That's just something that they have to do if they are going to keep up with a team like the Bucks, So we will see what they ultimately look like going forward when they're uh, when the rotation is kind of back in check, but very curious to see what it turns into. Jeff Green tonight, there were some bad defensive moments too. I don't want to overblow that because it's a really tough second out of back-to-back for everybody, including Jeff Green. But I do think that it's at least notable heading into a couple of off days here where Denver's going to need to have the rotations on point going against Philly on Saturday. Ish Smith came into the game and immediately made a positive impact for Denver. 19 minutes, 10 points, 5 of 7 from the field. He made his first four shots and created some good passes and good assists for DeAndre Jordan and for others. Had a nice lob to DeAndre Jordan tonight. And he's a player that you need to have somebody who is a threat to pull up from the mid-range in pick and roll. This is the difference between him and Bones right now is Bones has the capability to pull up from three, do a lot of crazy things from out there. Ish doesn't really have that, but he got to his spots in the mid-range tonight pretty consistently and knocked that shot down. And it looked really good. I'm not going to lie. I don't think that it's something that Denver can turn to in the playoffs all that consistently, but... If they have to, what's the worst thing? What is the worst thing that can happen in that situation? He doesn't make those shots. Like 
he's going to get those shots, and teams are going to be willing to concede those because they're mid-range shots. But I feel like Ishmith makes them more frequently than other people do. So maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's something that he can continue to build on there. But I don't think he's a part of the main rotation. I don't think like I think Denver likes the big lineups, and Ish is just a small guy. He did a decent job against Drew. There were a couple of times where Drew Holiday tried to post up Ish Smith and thought that Ish held his own, but it is probably just a one-time thing more than anything else. Good veteran stuff from Ish Smith, maybe not necessarily the most important minutes out there, but I liked what I saw. I think he was decent. Some egregious turnovers, not going to lie. He likes to go for that lob pretty consistently, even when it's not actually there, but I do like Ish Smith. I think that he's pretty good. And Davon Reed and DeAndre Jordan. I just put not the best of nights for both of those guys. And I think that's fair. If we're being honest about it, if we're being completely truthful, the one shot that DeAndre Jordan did have was the lob that he caught from Ish Smith. He has to be more of a threat, though. He just has to. Three rebounds in 11 minutes, including one offensive rebound, two assists, one steal, but he had six fouls in 11 minutes and just was not impactful. Team low minus 13 in just 11 minutes. And it's a tough position for him to be. Like, I I wouldn't want to wish Giannis on, on anybody, but especially DeAndre Jordan, who just does not have the agility and the foot speed to really keep up with a guy like him. I would have probably rather seen Peyton Watson, if we're being honest. If Jeff Green plays the five, Peyton Watson plays the four, and you just go super small, or maybe you stagger Aaron Gordon a little bit more, and or Zeke Naji a little bit more, or Vlaco a little bit more, rather than playing DeAndre. It's tough though. Like you want to be able to play a guy like DeAndre on the second night of a back-to-back. And yet it just it did not work. It just it didn't. And that is one of the reasons why Denver lost. And Davon Reed, 0 of 5 from the field, 0 of 2 from 3. Did grab 7 rebounds. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, one turnover, minus 10. Just in his 16 minutes, pretty nondescript time. I couldn't even really point out a bunch of the threes. He was one of the guys where Denver was trying to come back in that fourth quarter, especially at the beginning of it. And they were trying to hit it with threes. They were not trying to get to the rim. They were not trying to challenge a guy like Brook Lopez or Giannis. And when you miss every shot, it's going to be a problem. All right. That was it for this one, honestly. Not a ton to really go over with this game. And that's fine. This was a schedule loss. I'll talk about that in the third segment too. But when we come back, we're going to go over load management and why it's kind of an issue. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in let's wrap this one up by talking about well first of all denver's 34 and 15 they are still in first place in the western conference after the unforeseen loss by i cannot believe honestly that golden state won against the memphis grizzlies memphis now on a four-game losing streak 
not playing great basketball right now. And uh, it, they were they were on an eleven game winning streak before this, so it's pretty crazy to see that that they've sort of gone very streaky here. But Steph Curry gets ejected right at the end of that game as I'm recording this podcast, and Jordan Poole comes up big, and they still find a way to win it. So I'll have to go back through the highlights on that one, but it's pretty interesting. Denver has a two and a half game lead on first place right now in the West. They're 34 and 15. They are a game behind the Boston Celtics now for the best record in the NBA. But the Philadelphia 76ers at 31 and 16 are now like they're basically within two games of the Nuggets. So that game on Saturday is going to be very, very interesting. Joel Embiid and the Sixers just faced Ben Simmons and the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday night. I have a special surprise for my next podcast. Going to be recording with uh, Brian Toporek, who covers uh, the Philadelphia side of things for Forbes and for another a number of other outlets as well. And he does a great job and has a good pulse on what Philly's doing. So we'll be able to go over some of what what's going on with Rivalry Week and also kind of what's going on with the Nuggets and the Sixers and the championship race at large, but should be a lot of fun. Going to be really excited for that, and I hope everybody else is too. This game against Philly is going to be interesting. Denver split the back-to-back that they had. They won the game that mattered against New Orleans. They lost the game that didn't really matter as much against Milwaukee, where they sat everybody. Jokic, Murray, and KCP should have three off days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, where they can, where they've they've had an opportunity, will have an opportunity to rest, to relax, to get their bodies right, to get ready for what should be a war of some sorts on Saturday. It's going to be a primetime game. Jokic and Embiid are going to go at each other. It's going to be really, really interesting. And that environment's going to be crazy. I'm really looking forward to it. But it should be a lot of fun, and I think that really sways whether it's a successful road trip or kind of a par-for-the-course road trip. Par-for-the-course in this case was one and two. I thought that because of uh, the injury situation that Denver's facing right now, Michael Porter's current situation, everything that Denver is going through, uh, both on and off the court right now, it wouldn't have surprised me given after they had finally dropped their win streak right at the end of that homestand if they had gone on a little bit of a slide. But they earned a tough win against New Orleans. They lost a tough game, but not really close against Milwaukee. Now, if they could win this next game against Philly, it would be a really, really big deal. So hopefully they can turn that around, make it a winning road trip. Two and one is perfectly fine. Any ain't anything wrong with that. If Denver can just go above 500 the rest of the way, on the road, it's going to be a great place for them to be. Really excited about what they can do on Saturday. But let's now go over load management for the Nuggets and the NBA. This is the last topic of the podcast. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and criticize Denver about the way that they've handled this, about the way that, okay, Really excited about the Giannis matchup versus Jokic. Really excited about Denver going all out against another championship contender. And to not be able to see them, to not be able to watch 
Jokic play in this case, and, and Jamal Murray and KCP and Michael Porter and guys like that for sure, but it's mostly Jokic. I understand that. To not be able to watch the two-time MVP go up against the other two-time MVP, I think it was really hard for a lot of people. There are some people making a fool of themselves online too, so I'm not going to do that here. What I will say is that this is a thing that the NBA has created for themselves. They want the playoffs to be the best product that they have and to have all of the teams ready and healthy for it as they possibly can. You want to see guys like Jokic and Murray in the playoffs. You don't want to see just Jokic. You don't want to see Jokic on a bum hamstring either when he gets to the playoffs. And so the NBA has really put themselves in a bind here where they want to showcase the games during the regular season, but they also want these guys ready for the playoffs too. They want everybody to play all the time. And I understand that, but it's just not physically viable. Uh, Nicks and bruises are going to happen. Tears, strains, uh, things like that are always going to happen. And Denver at this stage is trying to figure out how best to navigate that, being in the position that they are. The great thing about winning as many games as the Nuggets have won, they're 34 and 15. They have the second best record in the NBA. They've done all of their work up front. The great thing about that is you get to relax and you get to approach these games and these different situations in a healthier way, not necessarily having to go full bore, not necessarily having to sell out for that third game in four nights, for the fourth game in six nights, play your stars 40 plus minutes in a must win game because none of these games are must win for Denver because they approached November, December, January in a really good way. I think, and this was part of why I talked about building championship habits, Denver set themselves up so well, so well here, where they can take some of these lumps now because they went full bore and rattled off a whole bunch of wins prior to. Them taking advantage of a weak, or not weak, but a super home-heavy January schedule where they got some breaks from other teams resting their stars. They got some breaks in the clutch department where Jokic hits a game winner, two game winners, one against Orlando, one against New Orleans. Murray has a good couple of games here and there. Porter has some good games here and there. Aaron Gordon uh, helps win, and they win one game without Jokic, and suddenly it builds up to a place where load management is understandable. Because Denver has won so many games, they can worry about the maintenance of their stars. And with Jamal Murray specifically, and Nikola Jokic specifically, they should. Jamal Murray is coming off of a torn ACL. I'm going to look up his numbers real quick, just to make sure that I'm not crazy. Um, Let's refresh. Jamal Murray's played 41 out of Denver's 49 games. 41. 41 is really high. I did not expect him to play 80% of the games that they suited up for. Actually, well, I guess that's that's about where I was at. I thought that he would sit every back-to-back, and so far he hasn't. I thought that he, like, Denver can't really account for COVID. He got COVID. I think he rolled an ankle here or there. Most of the time, though, he's gutted it out and suited up. And for the most part, 
Jamal, coming off of the torn ACL, has really responded to that extra activity. He has been willing and able to make those plays. And that's important because it shows me and it shows the Nuggets that when the going gets tough in the playoffs, he's going to get ready. He's going to be physically ready when it's then, but it doesn't mean you have to go full board now. So he's gone through some of that. And now Denver has to maintain. Now they have to put him in a position physically where he can be at his best going into the playoffs and not drained of energy. We'll see what happens with it, but I do think that they're on their way. And they should only play him every 8 to 10 games or so. They shouldn't have to play him more than that. I think 41 out of 49 games is pretty good. With Jokic, it's even higher. Jokic is at 42 out of now 49, and he's had a couple of games missed with this hamstring, and hamstrings are nagging. You do not want to aggravate that thing. You have to maintain it. If it was, like, I don't know, if it was soreness, if it was general, like, joint pain, something like that, that's a little bit different. But with a a soft tissue injury like this one, You do not want to put it into a position where you're out six weeks of Jokic. Because if that's the case, then Denver only goes and they wins 40% of their next games or so. Where let's say he misses 20 games and you go 8 and 12 in that stretch. Denver would then be down to 42 and 27. And they'd probably be losing their top two seeding. They would probably be in position where they'd have to really scrap and claw right at the end of the year. If you lose this game, this back-to-back against Milwaukee, it's understandable. Even if you had Jokic and Murray, if you had lost that game, nobody would have batted an eye. It would have just been an understandable loss. Now you get an extra little bit of rest for those guys, and the hope is that they approach Saturday's game with intensity, with execution, and they play well and steal another win on the road in a really hostile environment. That'd be great. It would be a great thing for Denver. be a great thing for Jokic. be a great thing for Murray. That's a big showcase game on ABC, and everybody's going to be watching. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I do think that this load management side of things, it sucks. It is something that Denver has to deal with. Because they've got to play the game. If your players are tired heading into the playoffs, it is your own fault. It's not because these guys aren't elite athletes. Jokic is an elite athlete. He'll be ready. Murray is an elite athlete. Aaron Gordon's an elite athlete. But Denver last year with Jokic, with Aaron Gordon specifically, those guys were exhausted by the end of the season because they had to carry so much just to get Denver to a sixth seed. Now, they don't have to carry as much of a burden, and they're at the one. So Denver is in a position where they can have that overall level of fatigue reduced. And that is going to be great for their playoff hopes, which is what matters most to them. So I'm not going to sit here and bemoan the fact that they sat out this particular game. Would it have been nice? Yes. Should the NBA have scheduled this game on not a back-to-back so that both Giannis and Jokic could be rested? Yes. That didn't happen. So Denver has to do right by them. If the NBA 
is going to get this right going forward, my suggestion would be this. Have normal days where you play during the regular season. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Something like that. That's where every single team plays. And then on Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, maybe even Monday sometimes, those are some of your showcase games, your national TV slots, where once a week, twice a week, you have specific games for that point where the entire world really focuses in on those particular matchups. And that's how you do it. You reduce the number of overall games. You reduce the number of games during a singular week. And you try to get it to a place where everybody can play all of the games. And if you do it on a kind of regularly scheduled place where Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, no back-to-backs in that stretch. If a team plays on Wednesday, then they don't play on Tuesday or Thursday and they just play on Saturday. That's just how it works. That would be that's be that would be how I would do it. We will see if that ultimately pans out. That would be really cool for me. That would be really cool for the sport if it managed that way, but I don't think that they're going to do that. I still think that they're going to stay at 82 games and I think that that's a problem. They're not going to give up the money. That's just not how it's going to be. So, if they were willing to give up the money and reduce the number of games and you could put it into a position where there are no back-to-backs, that would be great. It's not going to happen. All right. That's all I've got. Rant over. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I will be back. You'll probably see the YouTube video of my conversation with Brian on Friday. I might post that podcast late, too, because I've got a really busy Thursday, but should be interesting. Really looking forward. We'll preview all things Nugget Sixers on Friday. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, talk to you guys tomorrow. Thank you.